we have to ask ourselves, what are the potential consequences of feeling like we're stagnant, feeling like we've reached a plateau and we're never going to get out of it? Welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. On the show, it's my job to tease out the creative solutions my guests are coming up with to change the world through creativity, social action, and mindset. I also give you tips and techniques so you can do the same. This episode is brought to you by my class, Meditation for Busy People, where you'll learn how to relieve stress and discover clarity and joy in just five minutes a day. It's also brought to you by the Brain FM app and this podcast host, Podbean. Also, follow the podcast on Instagram or TikTok and check out our shop for merch, music, and musings. The links are all in the show notes. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Isolde Trachtenberg. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I'm thrilled and excited that you are. Today, if you're listening to this right when it comes out, is the first day of 2024, January 1st. My goodness. <laughs> it's amazing. 2023 is over by the time you're listening to this, and I'm kind of doing this. What happened to 2023? Lots of stuff has gone on for sure, and I feel like I could do some sort of a recap episode. And... uh I could. <laughs> I did all sorts of stuff. And that's really fun for me. But I think it might be fun for you to talk about what I want to talk about this week. And that is, this is all about a quote that I heard Robert Downey Jr. say. In, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, uh, Variety has been doing these actors on acting interviews where two actors uh, talk to each other, for example, uh, and usually they have something that they're promoting, right? So uh, Emma Stone and, and Bradley Cooper talked about their two movies that are out right now, Maestro with Bradley Cooper doing a sort of biopic of Leonard Bernstein. Emma Stone is starring in the movie called Poor Things, which I'm very excited to see. Uh, and then, for example, Emily Blunt and Anne Hathaway both have movies, Emily Blunt in Oppenheimer and Anne Hathaway, and I forget the name of the movie right now, darn it, uh, and also Robert Downey Jr. and Mark Ruffalo. Uh, Mark Ruffalo's in Poor Things, and Robert Downey Jr. is also in Oppenheimer. And so they're, they're having them talk about the craft and the art of acting, and often they're starting to choose. They didn't used to, it looks like, but they're starting to choose people who've worked together before, who've known each other a long time, because the audience is really sort of responding well to those. Anyway, so I was listening to and watching the Robert Downey Jr. and Mark Ruffalo actors on acting, and they're both in their mid to late 50s. One is 56, I want to say. One is 58. And Robert Downey Jr. said something that made me just stop. And they were talking about uh, looking for new challenges, right? Do Robert Downey Jr. had this huge career and then he had a lot of issues and then he became Iron Man and then, you know, 10, 12, however many years of playing that person. And now he's taken on a really different role in Oppenheimer. So uh, Mark Ruffalo was talking to him about that sort of almost reinvention. And Robert Downey Jr. said the following, and I really want to talk about what this means. He said, it's no way to live thinking your best days, your best creative moments are behind you. And that just stopped me in my tracks, right? It really did because, are you kidding? <laughs> uh, he's absolutely right. What, first of all, what does it mean? 
right? What does it mean to, to think that, to, to show and to highlight that attitude that there might be people out there who do believe that their greatest creative or artistic work or triumphs or inspiration is behind them. Whereas Downey Jr. is going, that's no way to live. Why would I want to live that way? And he keeps pushing himself. And I kind of wanted to sort of talk about the universality of that particular struggle, right? To maintain creativity, to maintain ingenuity and inspiration throughout your career, whether or not you are in the performing arts, it doesn't matter. What matters is, are you still striving? And here's this 58-year-old man who's done an incredible variety of uh, performances who says, you know, that's no way to live. I, in his mind, this is what I'm sort of taking from what he said. I want to keep pushing myself. I want to keep striving for new and greater things. And what I've done is, is great. And I'm, and I'm done with that. That was good. And now I'm moving on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, challenging myself and thinking about what it all means. And so I'm in my late 50s. And there are lots of people out there who sort of go, why do you talk about your age so much? And I talk about my age, actually, because I think it's important for us to remember that you can be creative and have ingenuity and inspiration and start new things at any age. It doesn't matter how old you are, it matters whether or not you want to and you take the time to and you make the time to and you donate and devote the energy to creating. And it doesn't matter if you're 58 or 28 or eight, if you have that spark inside you that says, hey, I want to make something that has never existed before, then by gum, 78, 88, 98, you're not too old. And so I talk about the age part of all of this, for me anyway, in part because of that, because I want as much as possible to inspire you, regardless of your age, regardless of where you are, to try something new. And so uh, the, the, the struggle of maintaining that inspiration happens, I think, because, you know, you get tired. <laughs> I'm tired all the time. I have hypothyroidism, so I totally get it. But yeah, you get tired, you get busy. Uh, you might have children or grandchildren or you're working on your career and you want to be focusing on all of that instead of your sort of creative life. And I'm sort of here to tell you that your creative life is part of your career, is part of your family, is part of your children and grandchildren. Because imagine if you were to take time that you spend with your children, with your grandchildren, and make it into time that you're all pursuing something creative. What, for example, would happen if instead of getting together and watching TV for the evening with your kids... Not that I'm saying that that's what you're doing, but what would happen if instead of the regular whatever it is you're doing, that you were to break out colored pencils and pieces of paper and choose random nouns, random places, random objects, and all try to draw them, for example, right? That would be a really great way to get that creative part of you engaged. Even if you believe you have no creative talent whatsoever, doesn't matter. If you think you can't draw, and believe me, I think I can't draw, but I still draw. I still break out the, the colored pencils and I still do it. Why? Because it keeps developing the skill. It keeps that part of my brain and my mind and my spirit active. And I think that's crucial, especially as you get older. So 
taking the time to be creative by yourself or with your friends or with your family is one of the most beautiful things you can do for your own well-being, no matter what age you are. So let's dive into this a little bit, right? I'm, I'm titling this episode, Unleashing Your Fierce Creative Spirit at Any Age, because I think it's important for us to remember that it can be fierce, that it can be super exciting to try something new. And there's a lot of pressure to peak early, to go, yes, let me achieve everything. And then what, do you ride that success and that's all you do? No, I think each time you climb a mountain, you look around and you go, wow, there are more mountains to climb there. I might be at the top of this particular mountain and I've worked my patootie off to get here. But now that I have this view, I see that there are other potentials. And I know lots of people think that, for example, uh, you know, you've done the one thing and now you're done. But it's not true. If you keep your eyes open and your heart open and your mind open, you get to really start thinking about what it means to, to try something new or to expand on what you've done. And I'll give you an example from my own life. So I've written this play called Listen. And uh, if you're listening to this the first week this episode comes out, this coming Saturday, I will be hosting a reading of the play at Pier 57. And if you want to come by, please do. Please come on by. It's free and open to the public. We're going to have people reading the script I want to see if the play has legs. I've written the play and I want to know if it makes sense to anybody but what's inside my own head. And my beta readers have said that, yes, it makes sense and they and they actually enjoyed it quite a lot. But I need to hear it. I need to see it. I need to know what it is and what what it has. And so I'm pushing myself. I've never written a play before. <laughs> and I've written a bunch of books, but I've never written a play. And I went, you know what? I'm going to see what there is. And I want to give a shout out to Lauren Gunderson, who is a tremendous playwright. If you haven't seen her work, you should check it out. Especially if you're a Jane Austen fan and you like uh, and you like the stories of those sisters. Christmas at Pemberley, Mary's story, and then uh, Kitty and Georgiana's stories also are wonderful. She's sort of expanded with another playwright. She's expanded the world of Pride and Prejudice and... She takes us on a wonderful journey through Jane Austen's books, but from not from the perspective of Lizzie and Jane, but from the other sisters. And it is, both plays are fabulous, so I'm very excited about that. Anyway, I want to give a shout out to her because listening to her, watching uh, these workshop series that she has uh, on YouTube about playwriting really helped me figure out my own play, where I wanted it to go. I'm pretty good at dialogue, I'll be honest. I think I'm pretty good. And I wanted to be sure that the play was going to be, have the the right cadence, uh, and not just cadence with words, but cadence with what happens in the show. Anyway, I, I want to thank her. And this is my point, though. It's about me maintaining that elasticity of going, okay, what needs to be improved? I can't just write it and go, okay, that's done. I don't have to do anything with it. That's why when I write books or shows or anything, I ask other people to read what's there and to tell me what makes sense, what doesn't make sense, what works, what doesn't make, what doesn't work. That's what beta readers are so amazing at. And I'm very lucky. I have amazing beta readers. Shout out to you, Dale and Kathy. 
and Adrian and so many other people who read my work, uh, Rosemary, who read my work and tell me what works and what doesn't work. And when you choose readers, try and choose people who don't adore you because they'll tend to hear everything in your voice, but also they'll tend to want to tell you it's all amazing. And you want people who are going to be honest with you about what confuses them and what doesn't. But I also have to stay elastic enough to take the feedback in and be able to use it to improve the work. So we have this peak early stuff and then we kind of have to grow out of that and go peaking early doesn't make sense because it's not all downhill after the first success. There's the first success, you've achieved this thing and now you get to go elsewhere. You get to try new things. You get to look around from the mountaintop and see what is the next mountain you want to climb. And that is so beautiful to me to think about. And so there's this tendency we have to immediately go, it's like people who peak in high school, we start thinking, oh, my, my best creativity, my best stuff is behind me. And it's hard a little bit because if you're like Elvis Costello, he famously was bummed out that people only wanted him to play his old stuff. So <laughs> he was like, but, I, but I've written all this new stuff over the last 20 years and everybody only wants to hear Allison. And I get where he's coming from. People are familiar with it. That's all they want. And they're, they haven't been as interested in hearing, for example, what his new stuff was. He's been creating, but there was a lot of pressure to keep going back to what was familiar to his audience. And I get that. And we also have to think about how we can defy that. How can we, like Robert Downey Jr. go, I'm going to keep reinventing myself. I'm going to keep pushing forward and thinking in new and different ways about my art, my craft. And there are other people you can look at who come back and go, I can do this and I can do that. Gene Smart comes to mind. What a national treasure. And Andre Brower, who just the day I'm recording this the day after he passed away, who started out in homicide life on the streets and was amazing as Pembleton and love, love, loved him. And I thought, oh, what an amazing dramatic actor. I saw him originally, of course, in Glory. And then he became Captain Holt on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and brought his particular blend and brand of genius to that role and just kept kept doing it. And when you hear interviews with him, he's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not funny. I'm just, I feel a little bit like a voyeur when I'm watching all of these people be funny. He was the heart and soul of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. There's, I take nothing away from Andy Samberg or, or Terry Crews or anybody else who was on that show. Uh, I just, wow, was he amazing as Captain Holt. And he kept doing it and kept doing it and kept reinventing himself in lots of new and amazing ways because he wanted to push himself. B. Arthur, Betty White, so many people, as long as they live, Betty White was still doing, she was a, a few couple weeks away from being 100 years old, I think, or a few days even before she passed away. She kept on going. And in fact, I remember my friend Renee, shout out to you, Renee, when she saw the proposal, she really was put off by the fact that they said that Granny was 93 years old. And she's like, she's not 93. That's crazy. Why are they making her older than she is? She's just so unbelievable. Ridiculous that they did that. And of course, Betty White was that age. And it was because she was so 
enthusiastic and so full of spirit and life and creativity that it didn't even seem like she was in her 90s. It seemed like she was in her late 70s. But of course, Betty White had lived a long time, had had multiple versions of her creative career. And I, lo- I have a special place in my heart for Rose. But as, as the grandmother in the proposal with Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds, she was top notch. She was top shelf. She was always top shelf. So there are lots of people out there who... And I keep talking about actors, but there are other people who've reinvented themselves, who figured out new ways to be who they are, new ways to bring themselves to the world as they go. And we, again, we need to remember that at any moment we can make that similar choice for ourselves. And this is one of those things where when you're starting to think about this, and again, I'm in my late 50s. When I'm starting to think about this stuff and I'm kind of going, okay, I'm never going to retire. I love what I do. I can imagine doing this till the day I die myself. And what that means is that I am very interested in talking about this, especially when we look at being mid-career or being near retirement and we have to ask ourselves, what are the potential consequences of feeling like we're stagnant, feeling like we've reached a plateau and we're never going to get out of it? Well, everything slows down. Your mind slows down, your heart slows down. I don't mean per anatomically, I mean, what you're interested in, what you're curious about, all of that will slow down and potentially become stagnant. If you feel creatively stagnant, if there's nothing, oh, I want to try X, in your life. And we need to think about and address that mindset and shift that mindset if we need to, in order to have that personal professional fulfillment. I mentioned earlier about, you know, playing with your kids, playing creatively with your kids, and its importance, not just for them, but for you. But also professionally, if you are always imagine if or what if, and how about we at work, you will push things further, you will potentially really make things blossom and come to fruition in ways that you couldn't even envision. But if you let it stagnate, then you might not have that opportunity. So it's really important to think about what the potential issues are, right? We need to look at some common issues that we might associate with being creatively stagnant. You might have a fear of being irrelevant. If you feel like you are stagnating, you might feel like you're not relevant any longer to your career, in your in your personal life, friends and family, you might also be feeling left out or left back or obsolete. And you might also become kind of rigid and and resist change and innovation. And you might cling to your past successes instead of looking at where you are right now or looking to the future. So we need to look at what that fear is doing to us and how it can hinder our growth. So let's take a look at that. What is the fear of irrelevance? The fear of irrelevance to me is feeling like you're going to get left behind, like you're not important or vital to the process anymore. And you might not be feeling important or vital to yourself and your family or anywhere else if you don't feel like you are a contributing member. Now, 
Do I think people have intrinsic value? Of course, that's not the point. The point is, do you feel like you have intrinsic value? And often what we contribute is part of what gives us that feeling of like, yeah, I'm I'm a creative, productive member of this group, whatever that group is. I'm a contributing factor here. And if you're afraid of being obsolete, and that means that you stop acting and stop innovating and stop thinking about it and stop creating new things in new ways, frankly, it might paralyze you into being obsolete. And it might hinder your growth. It might hinder your progress. It might make your creativity die on the vine. And so we need to think about, you know, and I'm going to ask you to think about for yourself, do you want to do a little research and see who are the successful people who navigated that kind of change? I mean, I come back to Steve Jobs, who Apple went through just some really tough times. And then thinking innovatively and creatively, he wasn't single handed about it, but he steered, he steered the ship, if you will, he had his hand on the tiller and was able to get where he envisioned Apple could go and then left it in Tim Cook's hands. But he was able to do that even after many people discounted Apple. They were like, oh, it's over, it's done. And can you imagine, I know Apple slowed down some. I know they're looking to do more innovation because sales have really slowed. But think about the aughts, think about the iPhone, think about the the tablets, the iPads, all of that stuff, uh, regardless of who invented what when, there's a lot to be said for the innovation that Apple brought. A lot of it was under Steve Jobs' leadership. So when you're looking at this sort of thing, when you're looking at Oprah is another person who was once told she was not the right looks to be on camera and ended up becoming Oprah Winfrey, right? So so we have to look at never saying die. I am going to keep trying. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to find the next open door uh, or I'm going to open it myself or I'm going to crawl under or over whatever it is I need to do. I'm going to do it because we start thinking that we don't have the ability that we're not capable anymore of innovating or creating. And that's myth. You can keep getting new ideas every minute of every day. But there is this, there is this myth that as you get older, you get really set in your ways. And, and a lot of us do, there's no question, but you get set in your ways and your creativity, creativity, creativity is limited. And you stop thinking up new ideas and you get, quote, put out to pasture, unquote. And isn't that interesting how that's a bias? Because some of the most creative people out there can be in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond. It depends on whether or not you keep your mind facile. And you keep your mind facile by maintaining that level of curiosity and creativity and asking what if. That's how you do it. That's the thing about it is that it becomes a self-perpetuating cycle in either direction. If you start stagnating, law of inertia works. Body at rest tends to stay at rest, but yet a body in motion tends to stay in motion. So if you rest, if you go, okay, that's it. I've got everything, everything great is behind me that I've given the best I possibly can. And now I'm going to coast, then so be it. You shall coast. But if you keep going, you know what, there's got to be more, I'm going to try for more stuff. 
then that's where you'll go. So we need to look at it from that perspective. Like what are the stereotypes and what are the ways we can break through those stereotypes? Because we have all of us perspectives that need to be out there. And the more diversity there is in the perspectives themselves, the more we're going to be able to really get to a place where we're all combined together, innovating and solving some of the great challenges that we have to address and also creating amazing art. Moving on, I would like to talk about mindfulness. (laughs) You knew that was coming, right? We need to think about how we might want to shift that negative mindset. And one of the things that we need to do is we need to become aware when we have something called past focused thinking, right? We need to break free of that. If you're focused only on what you achieved before, you will be judging yourself either well or harshly, depending on how well you think you did in the past. And it's lovely to go back, I admit, to go, oh, those were the laurels I could rest on. Yes. And then you have to look at, well, what what have I done for myself lately, right? To, to misquote Janet Jackson, what am I doing now? What am I planning for the future? And part of that is mindfulness. Mindfulness always plays a role because inherent to mindfulness is awareness. And building that skill, building that skill of being aware of where you are in the present moment is crucial and critical to overcoming that past focused thinking. So let's, let's do that for just a second. I want you to, wherever you are, take a seat if you can. And if you're driving, uh, I don't know if you can pull over or want to wait until this is uh, roughly the 26 minute mark of the episode. And the reason I'm saying that is because if you want to come back to this moment, please do go ahead and put your feet flat on the floor or ground, sit down, Put your hands on your knees, make sure you're sitting with a, you know, upright spine and make sure your head is on the top of your spine there, like roll it around a little bit, make sure that you're, that you're kind of centered and uh, take in a deep breath. Just take in a big inhale. Ready? Inhale. Two, three, four. And then exhale. Two, three, four. And then inhale, two, three, four, and exhale, two, three, four, and then inhale, two, three, four, but don't exhale right now. Instead, take a second and ask yourself, what do I hear? Listen for the sounds that are around you. If you are out in traffic, do you hear cars? Do you hear animals outside? Do you hear people? Do you hear the humming of any machinery? What are you hearing? What are you listening to? And then exhale. Two, three, four. And inhale. Two, three, four. And if your eyes are open, see what you see. What do you notice around you right now? Take a second and notice three things. Doesn't have to be everything. Notice three things that you see and acknowledge that you see them. And then exhale. Two, three, four. And then Inhale again, two, three, 
four. And now this time, what do you touch? What do you feel? If your hands are on your knees, are you feeling the fabric of what you're wearing? Are you feeling your clothes on your body? What do you feel? Is there a breeze from the heater or the AC, depending on where you are, or a fan? What do you feel? Two, three, four. And try that a couple of times. Breathe and just notice where you are in space. Become aware of where you are. And the last one, after you do, what are you seeing, what are you hearing, and what are you feeling, I want you to go ahead and see where you are. What am I thinking? So inhale, two, three, four. What am I thinking? What are the thoughts going through my mind right now? Ask yourself that and see where you are. See if you can build the awareness of what your thoughts are doing instead of letting them just go all over because wow, our internal monologue is fast. Give yourself a moment and go, okay, what am I actually thinking? And doing that, what do I hear? What do I see? What do I feel? And what am I thinking? Even a couple of times a day, it takes less than a minute, maybe a minute and a half. It'll help build that skill for yourself. So that's something. Another technique that you can do is you can reframe everything, <laughs> really. But a lot of it is that self-talk. When you're doing that mindfulness exercise and you're going, what am I thinking? Sometimes you'll notice that the thoughts that are coming through are negative, are self-deprecating or self-defeating. And thinking about that, thinking about what, what are the words that we're saying? What are the words that we're using to talk to ourselves? It's the most intimate conversation you have is the one with yourself. And what are you saying to yourself? What is the message that you're giving to yourself day in and day out, minute in and minute out? You have to think about it in those terms because when you notice what you're thinking to yourself, how you're addressing yourself, how you're referring to yourself inside your own head, you start noticing, am I doing this in a positive way? Is it neutral or am I harming myself internally? Am I putting myself down? And you need to reframe it. Why? Because why do you need to heap insult on injury, right? If there's something going on, where the words that you're using are making you feel worse about yourself, then, hey, we need to think about how we can turn that frown upside down, if you will. How can we reframe those negative thoughts into positive affirmations? So if you are thinking to yourself, oh, I'm never going to make it work, whatever the it is, maybe a way to reframe it is, what are the ways in which I can make it work? Or... I am making it work a little bit every day. Start small. It doesn't have to be huge, but you can reframe for yourself the negative self-talk and put it put a more present or positive even spin on it so that you can gain more energy and positive affirmations, thinking of things positively actually does generate more energy because the negativity that will draw you down. It will drag you down, whereas positivity will make you look up at possibilities. So important to think about in those terms. And the last technique that I want to talk about is uh, thinking about embracing a growth mindset, right? A growth mindset is the the, the idea of possibility of how can I expand? What new thing can I reach for? And so 
what are some of the actionable steps we can take? Well, first of all, stay curious. One of the most important things that you can do for yourself is to stay curious and to have that notion of uh, what, what new thing can I learn? For example, for me, I embarked on a new project uh, late, late in the autumn of learning the piano. <laughs> and I've been practicing 25 minutes a day. I, I got an app and I've been practicing 25 minutes a day to see what I can do. And for the first time in my whole life, I'm getting comfortable with playing two different things at the same time with my hands. So my right hand is doing one thing, my left hand is doing another thing. It's already starting to integrate my brain in new and cool ways. And I'm trying to do this because first of all, I'm writing a musical and I need to be able to play the piano to be able to explore the chords and the songs that I want to write. But also I've always wanted to learn how to play the piano. So that's another part of this. And then the other challenge that I'm giving myself this year is I'm going to learn how to West Coast swing dance. Yes, I am. So if you're in New York City, you will probably see me Monday nights. There are uh, classes that you can take. And there are also some free dances where you can go and you can practice your West Coast swing. And I just, it's slinky, it's sexy, it's sultry. I can't wait to learn it. And again, it's about really keeping yourself going. What is the new skill I can develop? What is the new thing I can read or experience? Is there a new way I can go home from work? What are the things that I can do to keep my mind agile and active? And that maintains that idea of possibility or probability or plausibility as you go through your life. So, so important. Now let's take a look at some things that you can do every single day. Thinking about maintaining that level of creative curiosity and what you can be doing to keep looking forward as far as what is your next great, amazing innovation and creation. One of the first things that you can do for yourself, we'll call it technique one, is to establish a creative routine. It's so important to do something, even if it's a little tiny thing, every single day. To nurture your creativity, be consistent. You have to give yourself a routine. Yeah, I've talked about this a lot in previous episodes. Give yourself a routine. Eke out a little space in your in your apartment or your house that is just yours. And it doesn't have to be big, but it has to be just yours where you or just a time it could be at the kitchen table, but it's your time at six o'clock in the morning before everybody else gets up that for five minutes you doodle. Whatever it is, it, it needs to be something that is your personal creative daily or weekly routine because that routine keeps your mind agile and facile, keeps your body muscle memory wise doing the things that are going to nurture your creativity and it's going to become a habit like brushing your teeth and it's critical it's critical to maintain that creative outlook and that mindset of of innovation and ingenuity the routine is what does it the routine is what helps you keep that alive keep it nurtured and keep it blossoming the next thing is we'll call it technique two seek out new experience make new experiences something you do as much as you possibly can. Novelty and creativity, the new and the innovative are married to each other, or at least they're engaged. They're at least dating seriously. When you give yourself new input, do you remember that? I think it was a movie called Short Circuit and there was a robot and he was like, need new input, need new input. 
because in order to learn, in order to become more fully himself, that little robot needed new data and new data is new experiences. So there is this connection between your mind and your body taking in the new, new sensations, new tastes, new sights, new sounds, and what you can then output. You, your creativity will blossom if you step out of your comfort zone and you try new things trying a new way to get home, reading a new book, uh, looking at new art, going to a museum, or looking online. I did this, uh, this recent research uh, for myself, what were the most funny books of 2023 written by women? That was a, a Google search I did just to see. I wanted to see what funny books were written by women in 2023. And I got a list and now I have a library list of things that I want to read in the first couple of months of 2024. So Google things like that. Google the collection at the Metropolitan Museum of Art and click images and see what are some of the images on there. You don't have to necessarily go to the museum to be able to see a lot of the art at the museum. Now seeing it live is better, I admit, but even seeing it on the computer it will still register in your mind and in your spirit as a new and amazing experience. Technique three is build a community. I've talked about this before that when I wanted to build a community of writers, I started one, the vegan writers of New York City. I started the group. We still meet. We're still helping each other. And in fact, when you're listening to this, if it's after January 6th, the people who are in the Vegan Writers of New York City, a lot of them have already helped me by being readers for Listen, for the play that I've written, right? This, this kind of collaboration and shared inspiration can only benefit all of the people who are involved. So find your community, seek it out on Facebook, uh, or if you're in a town, if there's a community center, start a group or join a group. Uh, that is doing something creative that you're interested in doing. If there if there's already a group like that, join it. If there isn't one, create it. Nobody says that you have to be someone who joins the group. If there's something that you want to do or try and it doesn't exist yet, then invent it. And when you're in there and you connect with those like-minded people, you're going to form a creative community and you're going to find that you have opportunities to be creative in new and cool ways. It fosters creativity. It also fosters accountability. But first, let it foster creativity. Let it foster ingenuity in you. Let your collaborations, let your interactions with other people foster that what if attitude inside your own mind and heart. And the last technique that I want to talk about is thinking about failure as a learning opportunity. I can't tell you how many things I failed at. Wow, have I failed. <laughs> oh my goodness. And each one of those things is another way that shows me my clear path, my true path. I kept pushing for certain things in my life and they didn't work. And I kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And when I gave up on the thing that wasn't working, no matter what I did, and switched it over to what could work, everything changed. Everything blossomed and when I got to the point where it no longer worked and I had to course correct again, I changed course and some other new thing blossomed. And when you fail in the creative process, 
that's again it's showing you this way doesn't work but it's pointing you in the in the direction of what will work i need to restate that it's showing you what didn't work but it's pointing you in the direction of what will work or might work and there are lots of people who've embraced failure as stepping stones to success so many people so many artists so many authors so many entrepreneurs failed miserably before they achieved their success but it did not stop them from trying. And that's one of the things that we need to reframe. We tend to think of failure as a bad thing. And I'm here to tell you, it's a chance to learn and grow. So reframe that inside yourself. Get real practical with it. If something didn't work, figure out what didn't work about it, and then use that as a stepping stone to the next idea. All right, I hope that you have (laughs) enjoyed this really far-reaching episode. I didn't expect it to go as as far and as long as it did, to be honest. I hope you're still here because it's so important for me to help you, regardless of where you are in your life and regardless of what age you are, get to a place where you feel vital and creative and full of ingenuity because that what-if sensation sits in your body, in your mind, and in your spirit, and it provides an incredible amount of energy for you to actualize the very things that you want and dream of doing. And if you need some help with that, by the way, I've talked about this before. I help people. I'm a coach. I help people get to that place. If you want to do that, if you want to see about getting some coaching around how to actualize into the creative being that I already know you are, whether it's through singing lessons or through some life coaching or through writing tips, whatever it is, if I can be of help to you, get in touch. I have the link to get a book a discovery call, a complimentary discovery call with me right in the show notes. Do it. Uh, I'd love to hear from you and see if there is a way that we can work together so that I can help you and guide you in your creative journey. In many ways, I think that's what I'm here for is to help others find their creative inspiration and ingenuity. Lots of eyes there. (laughs) Alrighty, I hope that you have enjoyed today's episode. I am Isolde Trachtenberg. Super grateful that you've taken the time to be here with me. Until next time, as always, I remind you to leave it better than you found it. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you being here. Please subscribe to the podcast if you're new, and it would mean the world to me if you told a friend about it. Today's episode was produced by Isolde Trachtenberg and is copyright 2023. As always, please remember this is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Past performance does not guarantee future results, although we can always hope. Until next time, keep living what you believe in. Thank you.